Hi everyone and welcome to my A to Z of musicals and here we are with the letter Q and I have to say I've been a little bit anxious about this episode because I was thinking that there wouldn't be enough material and uh, well see for yourself what you think. Um, I know that there are a few tenuous links today um, but I want to say a special Thank you so much to my lovely friend, Colin, who has helped me with this episode and give me some great ideas. So let's get started with the letter Q. Now, I have always really enjoyed and admired the English stage, film and television actress, Anna Quayle. Anna Quayle first came to our notice in 1961 when she starred as Evie and some other multiple women actually in the original production of Stop the World I Want to Get Off opposite Anthony Newley and I do talk actually about Anthony Newley in more detail in my letter N podcast. Now Anna Quayle was in the original Manchester production before it transferred to the West End in July 1961 and ran for 485 performances and she plays Evie along with Anya, Eel and Ginny and uh, she actually won a Tony Award in 1963 when the show transferred to Broadway. She won the best performance by a featured actress in a musical which is brilliant. And she's on the original cast recording, which you can still get today. And after that, Anna Quayle then had just a, a, a very short but memorable scene in the 1964 musical comedy film, A Hard Day's Night, with, of course, the Beatles. Um, she played a part of Millie. And in the scene, she recognises... John Lennon, but can't quite recall who he is. For me, though, the 1968 film Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is the performance that I always think of when I think of Anna Quayle. She plays the part of Baroness Bomburst and she hates children. In fact, she hates them so much that she has a child catcher that goes around terrorising all the youngsters. And she plays against Gert Frobe as her husband, Baron Bomburst, the nasty vulgarian leader and ruler. And of course they have that brilliant scene when they sing uh, the Sherman Brothers song, Chuchy Face. And uh, of course they're singing of their love for each other whilst he is trying to kill her in the process. And they do such a brilliant job. And I do talk about Chitty Chitty Bang Bang in more detail in my Letter C podcast. For me, growing up, Anna Quayle also, I just think of her on the television in the English TV programme Grange Hill. And she actually starred in this for 85 episodes from 1990 to 1994. She played the part of... Mrs. Monroe, English history teacher and form tutor. And for those of you that don't know this show, Grange Hill was 
one of the longest ever running programmes on the BBC. It ran for 30 years before it was finally cancelled. And so, of course, I see Anna Quayle in my mind when I think of Grange Hill as well. So there you go, English actress Anna Quayle. Now, there were two Letter Q musicals that were made for television. Uh, I hadn't heard of either of them, I have to be honest. The first one in 1963 was a 60 minute broadcast on NBC television called Quillo and the Giant. This was a children's fairy tale musical using puppets and live actors, and it has been described as charming and imaginative. Uh, it's a story of this giant called Hunda who goes around terrorising the countryside and moves nearer and nearer to the village where Quillo lives. And Quillo is a toy maker. And Quillo ends up telling stories to Hunda the giant. Um, and, of course, he manages to save the village. Uh, music by Wade Barnes and lyrics by Ralph Blaine. And of course, Ralph Blaine is famous for the 1944 score for the film Meet Me in St. Louis, which he wrote with Hugh Martin. And the second Letter Q made for TV show was a CBS musical, this time called Queen of the Stardust Ballroom. What a great title. And it starred Maureen Stapleton as B, who starts going to the Stardust Ballroom. And she falls in love with a man called Al, played by the wonderful Charles Durning. This time, music by Billy Goldenberg and lyrics by Alan and Marilyn Bergman, who, of course, go on to work on Yentl with Barbara Streisand. Choreography by the wonderful Marge Champion and uh, Michael Bennett, the famous director and choreographer of A Chorus Line, really liked this TV show so much so that he then recreated it as a Broadway musical, this time just simply called Ballroom. And it opened on Broadway in 1978 with Dorothy Loudon as B. Vincent Gardenia as Al, with some new songs, including the famous song that Dorothy Loudon sings, 50%. The show only ran for 116 performances and wasn't considered to be as good as the made-for-TV musical. But there you go, two musicals, Quillo and the Giant and Queen of the Stardust Ballroom. Who says there are no letter Q shows? One of the things that I've really enjoyed doing this podcast is finding out new things. And I've discovered a letter Q person I didn't know. Her name was May Questel. And she was an actress, but particularly a voice actress. And she took on the role of Betty Boop, the animated cartoon character from 1931, and voiced her for over 150 cartoon shorts and from 1933 she voiced the very popular olive oil in the Popeye cartoons. I didn't know that. Uh, May Questel started out in vaudeville as what was called a personality singer. I suppose we might call her an impersonator now and she did voices. She did Fanny Bryce, 
Mae West, Maurice Chevalier, Marlena Dietrich. Absolutely brilliant. And in 1988, when she was quite an old lady, she reprised the role of Betty Boop in the Disney film Who's Frame, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. As well as this, Mae Questel voiced Casper the Friendly Ghost. And in 1964, she starred on Broadway in the Walter Marks musical Bajour, uh, alongside Cheetah Rivera. And it opened on the 23rd of November 1964, running for 232 performances. And there was an original cast album of Bajour released in 1964. And the show had two Tony nominations. And finally, Mae Questel had a tiny role in the 1968 film adaptation of the musical Funny Girl with Barbara Streisand. She played one of Fanny Bryce's mother's card-playing friends. So, all new to me that. If you know anything more, let me know. May Questel. My next Letter Q musical is based on a real-life story of a lady called Annie Edson Taylor. And in 1901... At the age of 63, she was the first person to survive a trip over Niagara Falls in a barrel. And uh, it was called Queen of the Mist. And the musical is Queen of the Mist. With music, lyrics and book by Michael John Lacusa. Now, Michael John Lacusa had already had quite a bit of success both off-Broadway and on-Broadway with shows such as Hello Again, Marie Christine, The Wild Party, See What I Wanna See, and Giant, the musical adaptation of Edna Ferber's novel. And in fact, Michael John Lacusa has been nominated five times for a Tony Award. The original production of Queen of the Mist opened off-Broadway and it ran from the 6th of November to the 4th of December 2011. Just a short run but it did have really positive reviews. It was directed by Jack Cummings III and there is an off-Broadway cast recording of this. Um, starring as Annie Edson Taylor in this original production was Mary Tester. Now Mary Tester of course is a three-time Tony nominee. She has uh, starred in revivals of On the Town, 42nd Street and Oklahoma, as well as being in the original production, 1984, of The Rink and replaced Liza Minnelli in this show. And she was also in the original cast uh, of 2000's Xanadu. So... Uh, the other thing about Mary Tester, actually, is that during lockdown, she was involved in Ratatouille, the TikTok musical. I don't know if you managed to see that. I saw that and thought it was absolutely wonderful that these performers and creatives had put together a whole musical. Uh, obviously, it's based on the 2007 Disney Pixar film, and Mary Tester plays the part of Chef Skinner. Uh, it has been incredible actually seeing 
all the amazing things that people have done during lockdown to keep musical theatre alive. So well done to them. Queen of the Mist then had a UK premiere in London from the 9th to the 27th of April. It ran at the Jack Studio. Uh, This was in 2019. It was a sold out run. And because of this, and because it did so well, it transferred then for seven weeks to the Charing Cross Theatre, which I talk about fairly regularly. Um, It ran from the 15th of August 2019. The director was Dominic O'Hanlon, and the musical director was the fantastic Jordan Lee Smith. And he actually won a Best Musical Director Award at the Off West End uh, Awards that year. And uh, congratulations, Jordan, because uh, you do fantastic work. In the cast this time, we had uh, Trudy Camilleri as Annie Edson-Taylor. And actually, I'd already seen her at the Charing Cross Theatre in Maury Yeston's Death Takes a Holiday back in February 2017. And I do talk about Death Takes a Holiday in the Letter D episode of my podcast. So uh, flick back and have a listen if you're interested. So there we have it, Queen of the Mist. Show I haven't seen yet, but I look forward to. Okay, so I should have said at the start of this podcast that I might need to cheat just a little bit with the letter Q because it's tricky. So stay with me and accept (laughs) what's on offer. So my next letter Q is Quadrophenia. And this was a concept rock album from the English rock band The Who. And this was released on the 26th of October, 1973. It was actually The Who's second rock opera. The first one being Tommy. And uh, of course, that was released in 1960 as a double vinyl album. And then Quadrophini came as their sixth studio album, also as a double, uh, double vinyl and it was completely composed by Pete Townsend. Now, Pete Townsend was the guitarist and one of the singers of The Who, along with Roger Daltrey, lead singer, John Entwistle, bass guitarist and singer, and Keith Moon, drummer. And this band had uh, really taken over in, in England as a lead rock band. The story of Quadrophenia is it's set in 1965 in London and Brighton and it's the story of a young mod called Jimmy and his search for self-worth and importance and it's set within that background of the clash between mods and rockers and this album went to number two in the UK album charts. Quadrophenia went on tour in the UK, and not very successfully, I have to say. But in 1979, it was made into a film, not a musical film, but a film with music. So uh, you can argue with me. 
I'm, I'm trying to find lots of cues here. So Phil Daniels starred in the film as Jimmy. And there was a soundtrack album released with 10 of the songs from the original rock opera album. And uh, ultimately, though, the, um, the band, The Who, was successful with a Broadway musical production, not of Quadrophenia, but of their first rock opera, Tommy. This opened on Broadway in 1993. It was then called The Who's Tommy, and it had been developed by Pete Townsend and the director, Des Mackinoff, and it ran for 899 performances. So, you know, it did have quite a following, and it did win Des Mackinoff the Tony for Best Director in 1993. Quadrophenia was revived as a concert in 1996 at Hyde Park and it was part of the Prince's Trust benefit concert with Phil Daniels who played Jimmy in the film narrating and interestingly Stephen Fry and Adrian Edmondson were in the cast of this production and it did go on to Madison Square Garden to do six nights there as well. So you can argue it doesn't really fit, but there you go, Quadrophenia. Now, I think it's absolutely fine to include my next musical in the letter Q. See what you think. Avenue Q. Well, you can't get more Q than that, can you really? Um, give me a break. So this show opened off-Broadway in March of 2003 and became an instant cult hit. And I've seen it many times in the West End and on tour, and it just makes me laugh out loud. The book by Jeff Whitty is absolutely brilliant, and deservedly, he won one of the three Tony Awards that the show uh, received in 2004 for Best Book of a Musical. Now, the music and lyrics were by Robert Lopez and Jeff Marks. And originally, they were touting the idea as a TV series, but didn't get anywhere with this idea at all. Um, Robert Lopez, of course, is famous for his work with uh, his wife, Kristen Anderson, on the Disney films, particularly Frozen and Frozen 2. And Robert Lopez also worked on the music and lyrics for Book of Mormon. He's doing brilliantly and is so um, successful. Now, Avenue Q uh, did have uh, this disclaimer, if you like, on all of the publicity materials. I'll share it with you. Avenue Q has not been authorised or approved in any manner by the Jim Henson Company and Sesame Workshop which have no responsibility for its content. Well, I think it's fair enough to say you can see why it says that, because this is not a child-friendly show. Yes, it has puppets as well as live actors, but it really is dealing with adult themes and, uh, uh, you know, the posters with Lucy the Slut kind of give it away, don't they? The characters in this show have the best names. There are three humans 
and 11 puppets. And amongst them we have Princeton, Kate Monster, Lucy the Slut, Rod and Nicky, Christmas Eve, Trekkie Monster, Gary Coleman, of course, who's based on the 1970s and 80s TV programme Different Strokes, and at Kate Monster's head teacher, Mrs Thistle Twat. <laughs> How can you not love those names? Um, I absolutely love this show, and there is a brilliant cast recording, and uh, the show did so well that it actually um, ran ultimately for over two and a half thousand performances. So it started off Broadway for 72 performances, moved to Broadway in July 2003, and then it moved back to off-Broadway and didn't close until 2019. Uh, a great success for this show. It then travelled to the West End uh, in 2006, where it opened at the Noel Coward Theatre for 1,179 performances. And the original cast included, well, just phenomenal uh, West End stars, Julie Atherton, Luke Evans, Claire Foster, uh, Anne Harada, who was the original Christmas Eve on Broadway, reprised the role, Giles Terrera as Gary Coleman, Simon Lipkin, John Robbins, who's now Jean Valjean in Les Mis in the West End, Gabriel Vick, just an incredible cast. And the show um, stayed at the No Coward Theatre and then closed and then reopened at the Gielgud Theatre uh, in 2009 for a further 327 performances, then moved to another theatre, the Wyndham's Theatre, and, and eventually closed after five years of its run. Uh, great success. And it tours regularly. It tours in the States. It tours around the world. And... Uh, one of the things that's really wonderful about this show is that there is a recording of a song called Time, which was uh, meant to be used within the production in London. And it's Nicky, one of the puppets, uh, voiced here by Simon Lipkin. And he sings whilst on the toilet and he's taking his time during the interval. And uh, sadly, the uh, song and scene were cut before the London run started, but it is available to watch on YouTube and uh, there is a CD of it. This was actually given out in the programme, the souvenir brochure, when, uh, uh, when you went to see the show. So I have that um, exclusive CD, which I'm really excited to have. So yes, Avenue Q, does it deserve its place in the letter Q? Of course it does, fantastic. My first music icons, beginning with the letter Q, are the British rock band Queen. Now, they, these guys definitely deserve a place in the A to Z of musicals. Uh, first of all, who are they? Freddie Mercury, Brian May, Roger Taylor and John Deacon. They are the team that brought us Hits like Bohemian Rhapsody, We Are The Champions, uh, I Want To Break Free. And in fact, in 2002, Bohemian Rhapsody was voted as the UK's favourite hit of all time. And the music 
of Queen has been used in film soundtracks. In fact, they composed the soundtracks for two films in the 1980s, Flash Gordon in 1980 and Highlander in 1986. Both of them actually brilliant soundtracks. And one of their songs, The Show Must Go On, was featured in the Baz Luhrmann film 2001 of Moulin Rouge. But it was the 2002 musical or rock theatrical that was based on their songs, We Will Rock You, that actually is the biggest contribution they have in the world of musical theatre. The show opened at the Dominion Theatre in London. Now, this is one of the largest capacity theatres in the West End, if not the largest. It opened on the 14th of May 2002 and was due to close in October 2006, but was extended and actually didn't close until the 31st of May 2014 after 4,600 performances, which is unbelievable. And this show, We Will Rock You, is a jukebox musical. It's basically 20 hits from Queen put together in a story written by um, British author and comedian Ben Elton, with Brian May and Roger Taylor contributing to that. And the story is a bit crazy. It's a futuristic fantasy where music and instruments are not allowed. The show was directed by Christopher Renshaw and choreographed by the wonderful Arlene Phillips. And in that original cast, we had Sharon D. Clarke, who was nominated for a best performance in a supporting role in a musical in the 2003 Olivier Awards for her performance in We Will Rock You. She was joined by one of my favourite West End musical singers and performers, Carrie Ellis. Now, Carrie Ellis has worked extensively with Brian May from Queen. He saw her uh, when he went to watch uh, My Fair Lady the 2001 revival starring Martine McCutcheon and famously Carrie Ellis, the understudy, had to take on the role many, many times. And Brian May saw Carrie Ellis uh, when he was watching with musical director Mike Dixon and they returned to watch again because they were so enthralled by Carrie Ellis's performance. And then, uh, Apparently, they anonymously encouraged Carrie Ellis to audition for the part of Meet, one of the key roles in their musical, We Will Rock You. And after several auditions, Carrie Ellis was cast. And you can hear her actually on the original London cast recording of We Will Rock You. She sings the solo song, No One But You, only the good die young. Now, this is a phenomenal recording. Carrie Ellis has such a great, powerful voice. And actually, she has continued to work closely with Brian May ever since then. 
they uh, have worked on albums. He actually produced and arranged her debut album, Anthems, in 2010. And it reached number 15 in the UK album charts. And they performed in concerts, the Anthems, the tour, and the Born Free tour, because they both work for the charity, the Born Free Foundation. So Brian May specifically has a, a greater connection with the world of musical theatre than the rest of the Queen members. But we also then, in 2018, had the film of Bohemian Rhapsody with the incredibly talented Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury. And for this, he won an Academy Award for his performance. Now, We Will Rock You has never actually made it to Broadway. There has been a Vegas production and a North American, I think, a touring production, but it's never gone to Broadway. Let's see if that ever happens. But there we go. Queen, an iconic British rock band. Following the huge success of Les Miserables and Miss Saigon, Alan Boublil and Claude Michel Schoenberg brought us in 2006 The Pirate Queen. And this was set in the 16th century Ireland, telling the story of Gronya O'Malley, who was a pirate. And it's based on a novel actually called Gronya, She King of the Irish Seas. The show opened. Uh, in Chicago in 2006 for tryouts and then transferred to Broadway on the 5th of April 2007. Now, sadly and shockingly, this show closed after only 85 regular performances. Um, when you think, you know, this is Schoenberg and Boublil and they are amazing. But I did see a production of this only recently, actually, just before lockdown on the 23rd of February 2020. The uh, London Coliseum hosted a charity concert gala production of The Pirate Queen. Now, it had the incredible Rachel Tucker as Gronya and the stunning uh, Hannah Waddingham as Queen Elizabeth I. But even with that talent... It showed up the the story really and some of the music not being at Schoenberg and Bublil's best. Having said that, there are some incredible songs in this show and the original Broadway cast album is superb when you pick out the great songs. It is interspersed, in my opinion, with some duds, if you like. But the original Broadway cast had Stephanie J. Block. I mean, she's amazing as Gronya, the wonderful Hadley Fraser as Tiernan, and Linda Balgord as Queen Elizabeth I. And the show actually um, was written, lyrics obviously by Alan Boublil, but the English lyrics ad- adapted by Richard Maltby Jr., who'd worked with Bublil and Schoenberg on Miss Saigon and also uh, lyrics by John Dempsey. Now John Dempsey has had great success himself with The Fix, 
and The Witches of Eastwick in 2000, which he wrote with Dana P. Rowe. And I will talk about The Witches of Eastwick in my W episode because I absolutely love that show. So this show didn't run up for long. It had really harsh critiques. The sales, ticket sales were poor and the show closed. But I urge you to listen to some of the songs on that cast recording. I'll Be There and Woman. Oh, they're just gorgeous. Uh, to me, they remind me quite a bit of uh, Bubli Lynn Schoenberg's Martin Gare. And uh, I'd love that show, as you know. So check out The Pirate Queen. My next musical theatre star is Philip Quast, the Australian actor and singer who I have seen as Javert in Les Miserables, probably more times than any other Javert. Um, he has the most incredible voice and actually he appeared in the original Australian production of Les Mis in 1987 as Javert. Then came to London in the West End and then went on tour. And actually when the show was in Manchester in 1992, I think I saw him six times just during that uh, time in Manchester. And he is on the um, CD. There was a Manchester EP of five songs from the Manchester touring production, which is worth getting your hands on because he sings stars and he is just incredible. Um, I've seen Philip Quast in a number of shows over the years, including in The Secret Garden, which was in 2001, the original London cast, along with the fabulous Lindsay Haightley, Meredith Braun and Peter Polycarpo. And uh, Philip Quast is on the cast recording of that show. I then saw him in the revival of Evita, uh, the show opened in the West End on two, in 2006 and I saw him the following year as Juan Perón and he was nominated actually for an Olivier Award for his brilliant performance in that. I then saw him in uh, Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barbara Fleet Street. This was um, a semi-staged concert version at the London Coliseum and he played Judge Turpin along with Emma Thompson as Mrs. Lovett and Bryn Turfell as Sweeney Todd. And this also uh, was performed in New York and that was Philip Quas's New York debut. And again, he was just phenomenal in this. I didn't get to see him in the Many A Chocolate Patrick production of La Cage Au Folle, where he played George. And he's also played George Banks in the Australian production of Mary Poppins and is on an Australian cast recording as George Banks. Um, but I did manage to see him in the London revival of Follies in 2017 at the National Theatre. And of course, this... Uh, was such a spectacular production and it was filmed um, so you may have seen the filmed version of this as well it was a sold out run and Philip Quast starred as Benjamin Stone along with Imelda Staunton, Janie Dee, Peter Forbes and Tracy Bennett 
what a cast and this really was a spectacular show i was so pleased to be able to see it philip quast for me a musical theater icon absolutely brilliant now it's amazing what you discover when you're researching especially for a letter q when you're not sure if there's going to be much available but actually i came across a whole list of musicals which I'll just mention to you. Uh, there was a 1910 West End musical called The Quaker Girl which did go to Broadway in 1911. There was a 1926 show called Queen High which was open in Broadway and London that year. There was a show called The Queen of Brilliance uh, in 1894 in London. There was a Queen of Hearts in 1992, in October 92, on Broadway, which ran for 40 performances. There was a show called Queenie in 1967, Quick, Quick, Slow at the Birmingham Rep in 1969, and a show called Quilters in 1984 on Broadway. So, you know, a lot of letter cues. I have also discovered that the character Quasimodo, who's the central character from Victor Hugo's novel, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, is very popular as a subject for musicals. Uh, in fact, there was a Lionel Bart musical called Quasimodo, which was performed not until 2013, can you believe it, at the King's Head Theatre in London and had Stephen Webb as Quasimodo, and amongst the cast, James Hume and Zoe George, and they're all such great performers. There was another um, musical adaptation of Quasimodo by Steve Humphreys and Andy Rapps. Then we had the 1996 Disney film with music by Alan Menken and lyrics by Stephen Schwartz. And of course in there, they have those beautiful songs God Bless the Outcasts and Out There. In 1999, the Walt Disney theatrical team premiered the musical version, stage version, of The Hunchback of Notre Dame using Stephen Schwartz and Alan Menken's music. And it was premiered in Berlin in Germany. And there is a German cast album of this. The show was called Der Glockner von Notre Dame. Uh, excuse my pronunciation. And then an English language version was revised with a new libretto and opened in October 2014 at La Jolla Playhouse in San Diego. It then moved to the Paper Mill Theatre in New Jersey and ran for a month. And there is a studio cast recording of the Paper Mill production, which is absolutely gorgeous. If you can get hold of that production, it's really lovely to listen to. And in 2017, a new German production of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. So Quasimodo, quite the uh, ubiquitous character, isn't he? And so... Here we are, almost at the end of our Letter Q podcast. And who would have believed that there would be enough material for me to do an entire episode? I certainly didn't. Uh, we've done okay. 
Uh, I know there've been a couple of tenuous links, but uh, you try and do it because it's really tough. Uh, normally at this point, I'd be saying, who've we missed and what have we missed? Well, I've mentioned pretty much everything that I've been able to find, apart from two people. So we haven't talked about Aileen Quinn, the young girl who starred in the 1982 film adaptation of Annie, and she played the part of Annie Warbucks. And she actually was nominated for two Golden Globes for her performance. And I did discover that Aileen Quinn was in the original run on Broadway of Annie, not as Annie, but understudying the orphans. And the final person to mention is Queen Latifah. And she was born as Dana Elaine Owens, not quite as fancy. Um, she starred in the 2002 movie musical adaptation of Chicago. And of course, this one best film at the Academy Awards that year and Queen Latifah was nominated for a Best Supporting Actress Academy Award but lost out to her co-star Catherine Zeta-Jones and I think that's fair really. I think Catherine Zeta-Jones gave a brilliant performance in that film. Queen Latifah was then in another movie musical, the 2017 adaptation of Hairspray this time playing Motormouth Mabel. And most recently, she was in the Disney made-for-TV The Little Mermaid Live, starring as Ursula the Sea Witch, and that was in November of 2019. So, there we are. We've managed to do a whole podcast on the letter Q. I'm now going to go and put my feet up. So until next time, have a Doris day.